ATV Talk, the podcast presents Inspired. Sit down with your host, Leonard Duncan, as he interviews men and women whose stories are so inspirational that they need to be shared. Hopefully, their stories may inspire you and create a change. Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Mike Penland, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for thank taking some for time me. with ATV Talk. We really appreciate oh. it. No, thank you for having me. It's, a, uh, it's an honor. Uh, brother, it's my honor because uh, going through your bio, you are a man of many talents. I've done a lot of things. Hey, and on all the things that I've seen in your bio that you've done, when did you have time to be dad? <laughs> the the other five and a half days a week. Yeah. And, and I took, I, I took a lot of times the children with me, not, not all at once, but one at a time. Yeah. I would, they'd come to the races with me. Sarah's yeah. raced with me uh, in the side by sides. Yeah. Right. And so she was your co-pilot or, or was she a driver as well? No, no, just co- co-driver. Co-driver. So you started racing back in 1969 when the very first three-wheeler was coming to the United States. Did you by chance see that three-wheeler back when you were racing motorcycles? Lenny, I haven't rode in my lifetime, and this is absolutely safe. I've not rode a three-wheeler 25 miles, and every (laughs) one of them that I've rode, all put together. I just... I just haven't. You just yeah, never, they were, never got into the three-wheeler thing. No, I went around them. They were, or they weren't around me, however you want to say it. But uh, they, when I rode them, I, it, it, I learned something real quick. You can't turn them. You, you either gotta, you either gotta slide them, or lift the inside wheel. That's the only thing you can do. They, they, they won't turn. <laughs> so, uh, and and uh, when I. <laughs> Years ago, you know, there's such they're a motorcycle with two back wheels. So things that you would go through on a motorcycle, your back wheels would catch. So never rode it much at all. At least we get the three wheeler portion out of the thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. You ice raced motorcycles. Did you ice race uh, quads too? Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, when I first started ice racing. They were just rubber tires, just motorcycle tires. And then later on, they let us put number eight sheet metal screws into them. You screwed the screw into the tire and rode on the heads of the screws. And, okay. uh, and then, and then that, I did that. And I, I, I've got in my little notes, I got some stuff about that. But then on the four wheelers, uh, I, I raced one time. Uh, ice race, and it was the national championship. <laughs> One race decided the championship, and and I was I was fourth in the nation, and did one race. So, well, hey, whatever it takes, right? Hey, let let me just tell you about it, and when I come to it in my notes, I'll try to skip it. But you you know, if you've ever dirt track, they're either plumb flat. Or they're banked just a little bit, you know. Right. Occasionally, you'll have one that's banked a lot. But in ice racing, 
it's unbanked. It's off camber because the, the right rear wheel, especially in the right front some, but the right rear wheel is just digging and scratching. Uh, that's where they get <laughs> snow cones from is they, they scrape up the ice after an ice race. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Lenny, how they can be, it's not hard to be six inches to the wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, from the inside to the outside, it's, it's off camber six inches and it makes riding way different. Did you ever put a big rubber on the inside to try to compensate for it? No, no. Uh, you talking stagger and stuff? Yeah. I did that with a sway bar. Okay. So you'd really have to jack some weight into it to, to make it run leveler or to run more level. Uh, yeah, there's so much that you've really got more traction on ice with screws. Right. on a four-wheeler than you do a dirt. And so you're always lifting the front wheel, the left front wheel. Right. Uh, and when you're doing that, and so so often, not always, so often you're not steering as good. Did you, how much of your ice racing technology and, and, and knowledge went into TT racing? None. It was the other way around. <laughs> uh, what 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 ice racing and motorcycle taught me is uh, I don't like mud. I prefer mud. Okay. Okay. And 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 I'm not talking just a little skiff in the mud. I'm talking you know six inches or more so often. And and what the what the deal there is ice racing. Let me put it to you this way: I've seen dirt track people. They go into a turn and they're they're they they're turning in and they're turn you know or straight and then they're turning out and and they get like to the apex of the turn they put their foot up on the left foot peg and when they do the front wheel comes off the, the ground there's so much so much uh, traction so much riding is with feet on the pegs and it taught me that a lot to to ride feet on the pegs. So, so, uh, I got to do a little flat track racing on the West coast on, uh on four wheelers and two wheelers. And the fastest way around the track was keeping your feet on the pegs. Yes, sir. I would mostly put my foot down on entrance. Oh yeah. 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 But on the exit. Yeah. You always bring that foot up. You know, I had a bad habit of grabbing it, dragging a toe. Yeah. You know, I always drag the toe for some reason. Um, when you first got your first four-wheeler, how old were you? 36 or 7, 36. Really? So it took... I started racing four-wheelers when I was 37 years old. And that was a sport quad or was those... Uh... No, 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 no. Four-wheel drive Honda 300. Nice. It was an 88 model. Bought it new. All right. So you you have mostly spent your four-wheeler career on the four-wheel drive models? Virtually everything. I I I I Baja'd, I've done 19 Baja 1000s. And two of them were with Banshees. One was with a uh Raptor. 
I, I think that's all. The, so so sure let, me ask, let me ask you a silly question. If you have all this four wheel drive knowledge, what were you thinking riding a banshee? We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> the the uh, I'll be glad to talk about it, but but I'm I'm out of sequence so much anyway. A friend of mine, Benson Justice, got a a '91 Banshee, and if you remember, '91s was the first year for the A-arm. upper A arms. Yep. The rest of them were J arms, and and he uh, he he wanted me to race it, and and. We went to Cherokee, North Carolina. There's, we call it Cherokee. There's a, a dirt track up there and got there and it's, it's around here. Everything's red clay. And uh, so there was a little skiff in a red clay and, and Lenny, me and Benson were, and the, the people with us were just giggling. You know, we're going to smoke these flat track bikes. They got them old slick tires on them and, and everything. And, <laughs> We took off in that that red clay, and and they 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 just absolutely left me. And uh, we did that a little bit, and then Benson got some Macquarie back tires. I think they're called American racers or some American tires. Yeah. They were Macquaries, and on the back, and and I I did pretty good, thirds and seconds. Did that. No, one time, and it was the third or second. And then the next week, he bought bought two front ones and a sway bar. And then after that, I rarely got beat. I just, uh, it was good. Uh, A lot of fun, huh? Yeah. I went to uh, uh, Loretta Lands, the TT track, and National TT, and and I was uh, winning that. Uh, in the feature, the final, whatever. And this goofball ghost road, he just, he just rolled off the back and his bike hit me in a, in a 180 turn and knocked me off and, uh, got up, got the bike on its feet and everything. And, and, uh, I finished fourth, I believe it was. And I just, I was really tore up. And, uh, then the other thing was Pike's Peak. Uh, you know Sam Coe and yep. you know Mike Coe. Yep. Well, Sam Coe supplied me with uh, uh, cylinders and pistons and heads and exhaust and carburetors for Pikes Peak. And when I did it, that's about the fourth year, third, the first year. I did it two years. I think it was 96 and 7. And, and they had, when I did it, it was like the third year or fourth year that they let uh, four wheelers race on in Pikes Peak, and went there and and uh, it's pretty good. My banshee, his banshee, was a was a a race machine. It we didn't work on it unless we had to. It it sat through the week and uh, then I raced it. And, and if it ever needed anything, we we done it. Well, went to Pikes Peak. We we finished tenth, and I was pretty tickled with that. The bike would run just a fuzz over 100, you know, like 102, and it, it wasn't enough. Uh, so the next year went, and a, and a feller out in Colorado Springs loaned me his motorcycle, and I rode it, put 100 miles on it, uh, 
going up the mountain and and trying to learn the learn the if I remember right, it's 156 turns and like 14 miles. And so I'm trying to learn that so I could do good. And uh the two times I done it got snowed on and sleeted on and hailed on and everything is cold. And but down at the bottom at Colorado Springs, it's a hundred degrees. And it's it's just you know, maybe someone like you, California dude, you, you, you can deal with that, but this fat boy can't. And, uh, <laughs> so so my, my brother's there. He helped me a lots and lots of stuff. But we're, we, I got up in tech and, you know, waited in line, waited in line and pushed that thing and, and got up there. And, and he, he looks at the, the banshee and says, I can't take this. And, and I joke lots. And I thought he was joking. I said, yeah, I said, go ahead. Go ahead and take it. He said, I can't take it. And I said, I don't mind, you know. And he got ugly. He said, I told you I can't. And I'm going, whoa. He says, look at this thing. Well, I don't know how much you've been around aluminum and red clay, but you haven't got aluminum color anymore. You've got right. stain. And, and, and the bike, the, the fenders weren't shiny and pretty. And it, 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 was, a, it was a work and race bike. You know, took it to the races on Friday nights, raced it, and I would leave, you know, 12 or 1 o'clock after the, the dirt track race, and I'd drive, get in the van and drive to, uh, you know, Grand National Cross Country somewhere, you know, get there so often just in time to change my clothes and tinkle and start the race. Right. And, uh, so they're looking at that and saying, they can't take it. And I said, you know, well, what do you mean? He said, look at that. Look at that. The stains on that aluminum. Look, look at them fenders aren't pretty. And, and uh, you know, paint was chipped where the, you know, the, it threw snot and boogers off the tires and chipped the frame and, and that kind of stuff. And he uh, said, I can't take it. And uh, he said, get over there and uh, out of the way and, and start cleaning. So we got over off the sidewalk, and like you told you, 100 degrees, but we're in the shade. And I'm, me and Morse is, Morse is my brother, and we're cleaning on it, and uh, cleaning on it. And the, the man would, would walk down the sidewalk to the bathroom, and I would call him and say, look, look how's it look? And he'd say, ah, it needs a lot more. You know, and a little while later, an hour or two, he'd have to go to the potty again, and he'd walk by, and, and uh, yeah, you got lots more to do. And this one time, my brother says, push it over, push it over on the sidewalk. I said, well, then it'll be in people's way. And, and he said, do it. And he was right. It was in the sun. And when he stepped up, you know, it's the sun's kind of blinding him because I didn't put it in the shade right. up on the sidewalk, put it where the sun is bright. And, and he goes, ah, he said, I'll take it. But he said, you, you need to go to my my store where I work and, and get some, I think it was called Honda Bright. He said, them fenders and everything need to be clean. So he said, I'll take it. So I went there and we teched it. <clears throat> he did. They did. And uh, he said, I want you to work on that the rest of the night. Clean it. And find out what part of the problem was, is they had made Chevrolet mad and Chevrolet pulled their sponsorship. And so they didn't have any sponsorship and he wanted the bikes clean and pretty uh, for TV. So 
And well, I, I, went back. I, I was, I was, I was mad. It was wrong. And uh, besides that, th this is probably a bigger reason. Uh, this is the fourth or fifth year of uh, letting side to sides race, or side ATVs race. And a lot of people out there, they have one race a year, and that's Pikes Peak. And they have lots of money. I mean, that, there's bikes that race Pike, Pikes Peak or did that were virtually solid chrome and horsepower. They made the horsepower. And uh, I was just from uh, Georgia. And, yeah, we, uh, we, we raced tried. a few times. We, we raced a Have few you? times. Yeah. Okay. They, what did you use? We used a Banshee. Did you? Um, okay. Mark Earhart qualified fastest vehicle on the hill. Y'all did? And yep, and they shut the mountain down, turned the scoring deal off, walked over and handed him a time and said, and this is all unofficial, and handed him his time and said, You're the fastest ATV, but you by by God, you are not gonna be the fastest vehicle up this hill because this is a car and truck race, not a motorcycle quad race. Yeah. yeah. That was just, Who was that, Madden? Uh, Mark Earhart. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It, it was uh, it was quite the thing, you yeah. know. Uh, I believe um, Mike raced with him that year, Mike Coe. Okay. Yeah, they raced the same time. It, it, okay. Because, I never got to go. Yeah, it's a little different. Uh, yeah, because then the only thing that won was Banshees and – uh, Quadzilla's would be second or third, or third and fourth, but it was always Banshee's one, always. Right. I don't even know. I don't even know. Do they still do it? Yes. It's it's got to be uh, four strokes and like four fifties. Oh, yeah. no more two strokes, huh? Well, that's horrible. Yeah. So let's get into some GNCC. Okay. When did you start racing GNCC on your quad? Okay. Uh, let's back up a little bit. Uh, okay. I, uh, I don't know how far back we want to go. Uh, you're I, driving the bus. You, you take us wherever you want okay. to go. Okay. I, uh, I wanted to, uh, we, we can get into dirt track in a bit. Uh, I, you, you just go I, where you want to go. Okay. I, uh, my, my dad got, I'm married in 76. My dad got killed in 77 and in 78, we had our first baby and I didn't race again and started the series GNCC series in 91. So, okay. Let, let me, I wanted to race, uh, in about 90, I, I got a XR 350R 85 model and, and I wanted to race, but I didn't want to do motocross with the, you know, 80 foot doubles and triples and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. I, I wanted something to toughen me up, a long race. And uh, I, I told my friend, some friends uh, that, that I was looking for something to do. And I uh, looked for a year and a half and, and, and my friend Terry Smith came to me and said, I found, I found a race. I said, okay. He said, it's at the uh, Georgia, South Carolina, no, North Carolina, South Carolina line. That's not, you know, a couple hundred miles or something. I said, that's good. And uh, he said, uh, it, it's, a, it's a two and a half hour race. That's what it was. And I said, that's good. And he said, 
uh, it's on Saturday. It's real good. And, uh, <laughs> and he says, but it's ATVs, not motorcycles. I said, I got one of them. Cause I, I, I got a 88, 300 four wheel drive Honda, uh, just for kicks. There is no such thing as the 89, 300 four wheel drive. They, they quit them in 88 and started again in 90. So I had, I had a virtually new bike and, uh, he said, it's cross country. I said, what's cross country? And, and like I said a little bit ago, it's two and a half hours. And, and I'd heard of Heron Hound. I'd heard, heard of, uh, just lost me, Heron Hound and, and different kinds of racing. But I never heard of cross country. Two and a half hours, just over the river and through the woods. I said, that's good. So uh, we went. And uh, it was okay. So like I said, I started the series in 91 and uh it was good i'm 37 years old and uh i i won the series there's 91 and uh what class were you uh, it was four-wheel drive class just four by four and uh do you know dave coombs or know of him i i never i met him one time but i don't okay I didn't, I, dude, he's legendary. He's bigger than life. Oh, yeah. If, if you know anything about yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Big, big Dave. Well, because they call him Big Dave because he's got a son, Dave, Davey Coombs, you know, does the magazines and announcements and uh, he does stuff. He, he's pretty big wheel. And, uh, and three wheel, three, three and four wheel action and dirt wheels, they always had little ads that said uh, race cross country didn't bother me at first because I didn't know it was in the magazine. And then later on in the year, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And I went and talked to Dave and me and Dave were buddies. Uh, we really were. And this is the starting of it here. And, and I said, uh, Dave, I said, how come everybody gets to go to the Bahamas, but the four wheel drive class? He stopped his work. And he looked at me dead and I said, you win the championship. You're going to the Bahamas. So fair enough. And <laughs> I, I won and got to go. He uh, took my family. Uh, we had a big time, big time. And I uh, learned that they drive on the wrong side of the road there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh. It ain't funny. I, I, I got to tell you something that I, uh, I convert my, all my machines except the dirt trackers, to twist. Uh, I know you can't see my hands, but I got strong hands. I don't have a web. Uh, I don't have a web between my thumb and my finger and, and, and just muscles is just hanging on for dear life. But uh, I would convert them to twist. And it, it uh, can you imagine, a, you probably have. Uh, a Baja 1000 with a thumb throttle? No, there's sir. no way. Couldn't do it. No, I know. And, the, uh, I know the guys that can do it, but I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. But but anyway, I, I learned something that was uh, pretty wild. You you come up behind people in the GNCCs, and if they don't hear you, you holler or whistle. And uh, normally they they turn around, and look, they'll move over. But when you're on a four wheel drive, 
and an old fat hillbilly, you holler and whistle, they look back, turn and shake their head no. And so you've got to wait to an ugly spot to pass them, you know, where you use the four wheel drive to your advantage. Right. And, uh, yeah. That was the start of Dave Coombs and, and, uh, and you, and you've won how many championships? 12, 12 national championships. And now that's in GNCC. I won a few of them <laughs> score championships because, you know, in, in my races, the GNCCs, they're all the same amount of points each race. But mm-hmm. in Baja, you get a certain amount of starting points for the 250, a certain amount of starting points for the 500, and a certain amount of starting points for the 1,000. Well, I've done four or 500s, but I, I, I could start and win the, the, the Baja 1,000 and have enough points to win the championship with one race, even though somebody did the, say, the 250 and the 500 and done well, but there's so many starting points. So I've won 12 Grand National Cross Country Championships, two or three Baja uh, Desert Championships. Yeah. Uh, Pretty awesome. The, the, there's something I, I got to say that, that that's the most important of all this is it's the Lord Jesus Christ has blessed me to do this. The GNCC, the four-wheelers race Saturday and the two-wheelers race Sunday. And uh, they would start, I, I found out, they would have prayer before the race. And 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 this is a 91. And, and I'm going, I wish we did that. I wish we, we did that. So the first race of 92 rolls around. Dave Combs, John Ayers, the announcer, and, and their entourage, or they're going around and telling everybody how glad they are to see them this year. And, and other people speak or welcome them and all that. And, and uh, I'm, I'm really concerned about that prayer. Uh, I would, uh, when I first started racing motorcycles, I'd, to be by myself, I'd go in the, in the outhouses and kneel down and pray. I'd pray on my bikes with my head down, or I'd, I'd kneel beside the bikes, the four wheelers and, and stuff. And, and it's just, that's just everything to me. Well, these people would come to me and say, the Bible talks about preferring your brother. And what, what it's talking about, you know, you've got a 16-foot tuba tan. You're trying to, you're wobbling around by yourself trying to move it. You know, you, you tell them, you get on that and I'll get on the back end and follow you. You know, that's preferring your brother. You're happening. Anyway, the first race of 92, the race starts. And after a little bit, uh, I, I get the lead and I'm pulling a little lead. And I, I'm talking to myself and I, I'm saying, why am I here? Why am I here? Why, why, why did I come here? And I, I, I came here to win. That's why I came. You know, and these people about preferring your brother. So I'm going along and the Lord spoke to me on that bike. He said, you're here that I might be here. Now, the Lord God Almighty can write in the clouds. He must be born again, but he works through people, just just people, normal people. Don't have to be nothing but somebody that knows the Lord. And uh, uh, I asked, backing up to a couple hours before that race, I'm asking about it. And they had me do the opening prayer till they got a chaplain. That was probably 10 years or more uh, that I, I would start the races with prayer. And uh, then I don't believe the race on Sunday is going to send you to hell, but I'd rather go to church. So what they did, there were some races where they switched. I told you, you know, the ATVs were Saturday and the bikes were Sundays. Well, they switched them because there was people qualifying to ride the ISDE. And so they would race motorcycles in whatever state we were in, you know, uh, on Saturday. And then they'd, they'd go to Washington or Oregon or something to to do a qualifying race for the ISDE. 
you know, they'd have two. So I, I'd just stay home, be with the family and go to church on, on Sunday. Well, one year, you normally have to do eight races to be the GNCC champion. You know, if you win seven and, and don't do another one, you, you're not going to be the champion. So this one year, Dave had like like five races on Sunday for us. And that I seen him at the indie show. I seen him and I looked at him and, and he seen me and he hung his head down. I said, why'd you do that, Dave? He said, Mike, he said, I made a mistake. He said, I didn't realize it. He said, I'm sorry. I said, well, I guess I just won't win the championship this year and went on. Well, we're at the first race in Florida and I, this is going to sound bad, but I'm in church because we weren't, we weren't racing. On, we, we raced Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and stuff in Florida, the first one. I'm in church praying and, and the singing's going on and the Lord dealt with me right there. And and it was about that. I went back to the track after church, waiting for church Sunday night. And uh, I seen Dave and I said, I, I want to talk to you. I want you to listen to me. I don't want you to say nothing. I just want you to listen. And uh, I said about having a service on Sunday morning that the, that the ATVs were there. I said, you know, we might have some singing little music, you know, singing. I said, uh, we won't take up no offering unless somebody's hurt, you know, taking up money for that. I said, we'll have somebody, you know, read a little bit and pray a little bit and, and, and uh, that'll be it. And he's going, yes, yes. I said, no, think about it. Yes, yes, let's do it. I want to do it. And he turns to somebody and said, when's the first uh, Sunday race for, for ATVs? And I'm sorry, I can't think of the track. It's a good track. It's in West Virginia. And and people that know the Bible, uh, Dave says, oh, there's an upper room. There's an upper room. You can have it there. The Bible talks about a large upper room. But anyway, uh, I did that until we got a chaplain. And uh, But now, lately, there's been no Sunday races for years now. I, I don't know why. They just didn't. Uh, well, Big Dave's not running it. That's why. Well, uh, his family does, but uh, I, I don't know if the they they got different qualifying for the ISDE for the motorcycle. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure how that works out either. I know that as busy as all these series are, they're all looking at each other, trying to not over schedule or not schedule on top of one another, so that yeah. they don't have any issue. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so anyway. Uh, I won the championship my first year, 91 and 92 and 93. And then everything's going good in 94. Well, we take a long summer break, they call it. Well, during that time, Yamaha came out with a Wolverine. It was called a 95, but it, it came out in the middle of 94. And that bike changed the world uh, compared to a Honda 300. And and it was just, it was just great. It was great. And uh, uh, got hooked up with Mickey Dunlap. And he made uh, my bikes 435 and 446s. And I won that championship in, in 95. And that's when we went to Baja the first time. It was in 95. Uh, so anyway, do, do, you want, do you want to talk about? Keep uh, going. Keep doing great. Okay. So so anyway, we, we we get to the Baja and first time I'd ever seen the desert, you know. And and uh uh so anyway, we're there to to do that and and uh 
you know, they're they're making fun of us on the line and 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 up in El Cajon and stuff like that. They're making fun of us, you know, four wheel drive. They're just, you know, what, what is that? A rescue bike and, and uh, stuff like that. And uh, on the line, you know, there, there's these foreigners, four wheel drives. You know, what you're gonna do? And and you know, I, I'm just there. And and uh, so we took off. Now, now you gotta you gotta think about this. That thing wouldn't run fifty miles an hour except in the back of a truck. <laughs> it'd, it'd run about forty eight. Lenny, if you got it going down a real steep hill, it'd probably run fifty, but it wouldn't. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'm riding it. My brother rides it, and, and and our teammate Jeff Weber rides it, and he didn't hit a cow; he brushed a cow. But but everything's good; it, it, it's going good. And uh, got to the end. I'm I'm riding at the end, and, and uh, the the two right tires were flat. This is going into uh, not Cabo, but the Paz. Going into La Paz, we're on the highway, and I'd gotten so tired trying to cut that bike to the left that I had to reach under and catch my elbow on on the hand grip, and uh, best I could the lever or not the lever with the handlebar, so I didn't hit the lever, and, and ride it in, and uh, we we won, and and we won by hours. Uh, that was in the open class sportsman, and. We were the first, as I know of, and everybody's backed up, the first four-wheel drive to ever race, much less ever race and win on a bike that would, wouldn't really run 50 miles an hour. It was uh, 1146, I believe it was, for miles, and we averaged 32. And years and years and years, uh, 36 miles an hour, no, 1146 miles and just um just under 36 hours which is 32 miles an hour and uh the uh everybody said it, it's it's just the fluke the race was so long that's why a four-wheel drive won so we went we went back again in 96 and we won uh and and uh if i remember the first year because I remember Ricky Stater teasing Tim that, that we'd beat him by eight hours. He's, he said, he said, he said they could have they could have won the race, worked a full day, and then you came in. <laughs> you know, so uh, uh, everybody's thinking it's a fluke, and so the next year the race wasn't as long, and uh, we won it. And and uh, I tell people. The the Baja 1000 is like a 24-hour orgasm. It's just, there's just so much going on. You know, the the thinking and the 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 staging and just all that stuff. Uh, but I, I want to tell you this. That, that one Wolverine that I used, I, I got the machine before the race season started in, in 95, uh, the middle of the year, and trail rode it and then raced it for that season uh, and then did Baja with it and came back and rode it all 
year at well, the end of 95 and started 96 until the uh, GNCC season started again, raced it all that season, then trail, trail road through the summer, and then raced it the rest of the season in 96, then took it to Baja, and we won Baja, brought it home, and trail road out in the woods. And so two seasons of all that stuff on that one machine. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what kind of shocks did you run on that machine? Uh, I'm pretty sure they were stock. The, uh, maybe the second year we used works, works performance. It ain't funny. Don't lie. Uh, uh, I, 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 the best I can remember works performance was the second year. And uh, I got to ask this are they, still, are they still in business? Works performance? Yeah, they went out of business. Okay, then I'll tell you this. We was pre-running, and there's a place where it's, people won't believe this, but it's 20 miles of whoops. And the little ones are two feet high. Yep. Okay? Know where the you're rest of them are big. And I'm going over them things, pre-running. And all of a sudden, the back end slams down. And when it did, it blew shock oil everywhere. Just everywhere. And wherever it hit, it's smoking. There's little dots of smoking oil all in the desert, all on the backs of my boots and all over the bike. And those shocks, the rear shock exploded. Then we used stock. So anyway. Uh, so, so that didn't work out too well in those whoops, huh? Well, no, nothing will. Uh, we can talk about some of that in a minute, but, but people... With, with with the Can Am, as good as they work, you run eighteen to twenty two normally, and then three and four foot whoops. That's a, that's this is uh, 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 you know, and and it's not that I would get physically tired, you know, wore out, but I'm going golly bum, you know, give me something different, you know. It'd be like looking at a like a white screen on a TV for how many hours, or it felt like you know, it wasn't that long, but uh. How anyway. long did it take you to go through that section on that big monster? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Too long. <laughs> so how much, how many, do you got back problems because of all this? No. My God. You are way tougher than nails, man. Well, the, you just stand up. Never. I just, the, the Lord's blessed me. Lenny, I've never had a broke bone. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. I yeah. rode that Kawasaki V-Force 700 for a season for, uh, for, for Team Green. And yeah. uh, it threw me on the ground and, and um, dislocated and broke my shoulder. But I wasn't smart enough to go to the hospital to get fixed. I just, the, the, the dislocation popped back in and uh -huh. I kept racing. Yeah. Yeah. So I deal with that trouble in, in my life now, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, so back up there. when did you, you rode for Kawasaki for a while. Okay. What, what happened there is, uh, let me think. It, it was, uh, I believe it was 95. 
uh, Mickey talked to them. Or 96. Mickey Dunlap talked to him, got me hooked up with cow. And I, it was in 97 I started riding the cow. That was the 400. And uh, the relationship with Kawasaki was great. I, I like them, and apparently they like me. Uh, but yeah, it was good. I was with them until uh, December 31th of. Uh, 2004, that's when I got my last check. And they got out of the ATV racing business. They kept racing, you know, motorcycles, of course, still do. But uh, right. anyway, with with uh, with Kawasaki, uh, when I was down to do the, the I'd, I'd go by there before I did the Baja. And uh, they wanted me to go, they wanted me to go and, uh, uh, do the Elsnore Grand Prix on a 650 Kawasaki Prairie. So I go there and, and it's just a lot of fun. Just, you know, yeah. the, the, the movie uh, came out in 71 or whatever on, on any Sunday. You right. know, that's where, where I learned about the, the Elsnore Grand Prix. And, and uh, it, it was just great and had a good time. Well, what year did you race I that? Did. I'm sorry. What year did you race the Elsinore Grand Prix? Uh, like three or four years. Well, yeah. you remember what years they were? Uh, it it had to been probably uh, 2001, two, three, I'm going along and, and, and there's no such thing as UTVs then, but people had these, they look like spiders. They're, 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 they're side by sides. Uh, just one person, you know, and, and I'm going along and they're big and heavy. And this one started pushing on me, pushing on me. And you know, them on, on highways, y'all call them freeways. We call them expressways. Mm -hmm. Uh, these big cement barriers. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. They're the come up to the bottom of your blender. The concrete. Well, anyway, lighter. he's, he's, what? We call them I'm sorry? dividers. Yeah. And he's pushing me into one. And I'm not liking this because, because I can't stop. And hit that thing. And it just, just went away. And, and what it was, it was they were they looked like the cement ones, but you put water in them, and they hadn't put water in this one. And I hit it, and it's about like hitting a balloon, you know. <laughs> well, you talk about a relief. Whoa, yeah, he pushed me in that bear and just hit that thing. Uh, but anyway, I didn't I didn't do anything to speak of in the Elsinore Grand Prix. But I can say this: How many people do you know have done the Elsinore Grand Prix? Now, out in California. You probably know several, but out here, nobody. It's pretty awesome race. I, I got, yeah. I was fortunate enough to do it many different times on a, okay. on an ATV and a motorcycle and I loved it. Okay, good, good. Uh, so uh, now uh, I'm doing Bajas, Grand National Cross Countries, 10 and 12 hour races. Uh, and I just want to tell you, 
arguably have had the best lights of any four-wheeler in Baja when I, when I got the race. Uh, Ricky Stater would fix me up, uh, Staters and stuff, and, and companies, I would get lights from them. And, uh, and like the, the last year that I used a, one of my ATVs, I had seven, uh, seven lights. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think quartz, quartz halogen. Is that right? Yep. yep. The, uh, the, uh, other ones, the diode things, they weren't getting that popular yet, but I mean, I, and that, that I've had different lights through the years and, they just always turn the world white. The only time that it wasn't great is when I was racing the Banshee. Ricky Stater had hot rod staters for me, and, and they turn the world white. But when the RPMs get way down, you know, the lights go way down, and I have stalled the motor, and then, and then everything's black. <laughs> but, right. but, you know, you just, you just pop the clutch and, and bump it, and the lights are back on. But because it didn't have a battery, at low low RPMs, your light was it's good. But, it still uh, has the same problem today. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, Ricky always done that stuff for me for nothing. But uh, and the lights were free too. But he, I didn't want him to go to the money to put a battery on the bike. Uh, maybe I should have. But but anyway, nowadays what uh, nowadays what we do is they put an extra wire on the on the stator that charges a little auxiliary battery that you run okay. on them. And with the LED lights at low RPM, you have bright lights. Yep. And, and okay. they'll last, as long as that battery, as long as that machine's running, it'll charge that battery. And you can go a, a considerable distance before the battery will need to be, you know, you need to turn the lights off to yep. recharge. So, and, you know, if you're racing like Baja or you're racing a super long night race, you might have to put in a, another auxiliary battery in it because yeah. it's not going to hold up. Uh, but, uh -huh. you know, you get four or five hours out of the thing, which yeah. is quite with, a bit. With the, with the Wolverine, they had a big stator. Uh, Ricky said probably the biggest stator there was in 95, 6, 7, and that. And then when I started racing the Can-Ams, they've got a 650-watt alternator. and <laughs> You don't have no problems with them. I, I've let the bike idle with the seven lights burning for 10 minutes and then hit the throttle and they don't get brighter. That means it's charging, fully charged and idling. So. Right. That's pretty awesome. Oh, they're, they're, they're unbelievable. So you yeah. did a bunch of developmental work, I'm assuming for Kawasaki and Can-Am on their machines. Uh, yeah. In ways, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, I would. They told <laughs> they told me right after well, a while I'd been with Canan. They said said one of the reasons we got you ain't because we like you, just because we like you. It's because you can put more wear and tear on a bike like in three months than a normal person like put on three years, right. and uh, it's to learn. That was the first year that the A that came out, which was uh, 2005. They call it a 2006, but it came out in 2005. Uh, 
if you want to talk about developmental stuff, you want to talk about any motorcycles? Well, yeah, fire away. It's all right. Okay, this was about 1972. I worked for a company called Airmotive, Airmotive Engineers or Airmotive Engineering, whatever it was. And there was a feller, David E. Davis and Trent Jarman. They were the dudes. And we worked for Senior Bulto, which is Mr. Bultaco. Yeah. And uh, they invented long travel stuff. And, and this bike, I'm, I'm five foot six. So I could hook my, my calf on the seat. It was so tall, 72, 1972. But when I would put my weight on it, it would go down to ride height. And that thing had, it had dual swing arms in the rear. So if you looked at it from the back, the, the, the bottom swing arms a little wider than the, than the upper one. And the, it had shocks on it, you know, that, that long that went in the stock position, you know, up at the back of the seat kind of. Right. And they went down to the bottom swing arm and it, it had, I'm trying to remember how much travel it had. 14 inches or something. This, this is when bikes, when they had a lot was seven inches yeah. of travel. Yeah. And this is, this is terrible. It is. And the, the front forks, it didn't have aluminum sliders. It had aluminum tubes. They weren't upside down. They were normal. And it used shocks this long and they were Monroe. I was up North then and the, the Monroe's up there and they had different shocks. So instead of uh, turning the dampeners and adjusting, they would just put a new set of shocks. And they're just like great long. That's awesome. Car shocks, car shocks. And my job, my primary job was test till destruction. And uh, did a lot of testing. That was a lot of fun job, huh? Oh, yeah. And, and there was people trying to, Spying, and you know, I, we had to be aware of that all the time. Not let anybody, not answer questions, not people let people take pictures or nothing. So, and where anyway. did you go test? Did you just go trail ride, or were you on a track or something? No, there's what we call the woods. Uh, you know, several square miles of uh, places that that I knew nobody would be there, or if they would, they you know, you just blow past them or something and they they didn't know what you was doing and what you was on. Wow. And how and how that, many that, of those that, did they make? Say that again. How many of those machines did they make with that suspension? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh they had they probably had three or four of them there. But uh I don't know what any other places in the world were doing, but we were doing that. Yeah, it never came out on the market, though. No, it never did. Bultaco, I think, slumped a little bit around there. And if you remember, Jim Pomeroy was long done well, and he didn't have the dual swing arm and stuff. He, so they were winning with a lot less expensive bike and less complicated. And uh, so, you know, if, you're, if you can win with that, why, why do all that other stuff? <laughs> but it was just like so many car companies. 
you know, the stuff that they come up with and invent and then never, they just put it on a shelf somewhere. That's crazy. You did all that work yep. and then they didn't sell it. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, I suppose they learned that you could put a single shock and get, you know, 12 inches of suspension travel. So why bother with all that other stuff? They, they and, probably uh, did. Yeah. What's your favorite machine out of all the ATVs that you've had? Ooh. For doing what? GNCC. They've all got certain advantages, but overall, it, it has to be the Can-Am. It just, it does. The 1000? They were the latest and greatest, and they changed the world when that 800 Outlander came out. They changed the world. Yeah. My, my modified Prairies, I had 770 kits. I had my cams, had exhaust, had just anything and everything. And them, all that modification really wouldn't run with a stock 800 Can-Am. And the Can-Am, I want to tell you something about Can-Am. The independent rear suspension, that was the first independent rear suspension bike that would work. Nobody else had one. Nobody. Uh, I don't care if it was uh, some of them famous frame ma manufacturers or anything. No one's worked like that. Really? Only ones. And yep. they, still, they still make um, that IRS on the rear? Yes, yes. They, they've updated it. It's, they, they call it Gen 2 or something. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still ride for Can-Am? No. No, uh, the, the last time they helped me I, for four-wheelers, I believe it was 11. And uh, the last time they helped me with uh, side-by-sides, uh, I reckon it was 16 because they stopped helping me, and I won my 12th championship with Can-Am, but that was with a side-by-side. And uh, they didn't help me. They didn't call and say thank you. They didn't call and say, you know, nothing. Yeah. And so, and they stopped helping me financially and everything at 16. So uh, I didn't have any help. Uh, I raced uh, in 18. Uh, I, I had bikes. They can't am. And Kawasaki and them gave me lots of bikes and uh, machines. I call them bikes, uh, quads, and and, and uh, side by sides. And so I had stuff to do that. And and so uh, uh, and then Max has stopped helping me, and, and that just devastated me. And uh, but uh, I had a contract with a company for. Uh, Signed up in 18. It was the race in 19. And it was a good contract as I've ever had. And uh, it was just great. It was for GNCC side-by-side -side racing. Well, I get a thing on the, my tablet. It said that GNCC was not going to side-by-side race for 19. So immediately, I called them. When I say immediately, it was 
within two minutes and told them. And they said, well, your contract's null and void. I said, I know, because, you know, you know, I, I try to talk them into, you know, AXCC or, or some other series. And they said, no. So uh, I've only raced once since then. And that was uh, a Baja 1000 uh, with the Stewart uh, boys racing in the in the 1000 with the side by side and that's that's the last I've done does the when you go from the the four-wheel drive quad to the side by side does it still give you the same enthusiasm oh yeah yeah it, how many children you got Lenny I have five five okay good which one do you love the most I love them all the same <laughs> that, that's what I'm telling you about side by side in ATV racing. It's they're they're all five of your children are different, but you love them the same. And uh, so you've got you've got something you like about ATV racing, and and then something you like about side by side racing, and it's it's all just it's it's all the same, but it's all different. And uh, I'll tell you something that's really nice with the side by side is if if on on the way home uh you've got your your passenger your your co-driver with you you get the bench race all the way home you'll talk about what you did and what you saw and what you almost did and what you almost didn't do and all that stuff really fun is sarah the only one of your kids that that co-drove with you yes yes so she's the only one that's crazy enough to get in the car with you. say what She's the only one crazy enough to get in the car with you? No, no. Uh, you know, my boy got killed. Uh, but he would he would be in there in a heartbeat. No, uh, unfortunately, I did not know that, Mike. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, in the in the 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 2007 Baja race, he uh, it El Crucero just past El Crucero. There's this unbelievable bump. And he went off that, and, he, and the bike upset, and it, it, he said, he said, I'm sliding, you know, like on his face and belly sliding along. And he looks back, and he sees this 800-pound four-wheel drive machine coming after me. He and his right leg uh, below his knee, and he crushed it. And uh, so they, you know, we're down the – we went to uh, – uh, Bay of LA waiting on him to come through and he was rolling. Uh, and, and we waited there and waited there and didn't come through, said he, we've done missed him. He, he's, he's went on through. So he went, I can't remember where it was going, way on down, way on down, but below Guerrero Negro and all that stuff. And he never come, he never come. We got a call on the radio. I, I think it was, uh, uh, the weatherman and said that, 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 our bike number, I can't remember, that the rider's been hurt and uh, life-threatening injuries. So we found out he was at the hospital in Guerrero Negro and had to drive and drive and drive and drive and drive and get there. And they had uh, put uh, stabilized his, his foot because if he would lay on his back, if he had lift his leg up, his toe would you know go to point to the ground. So they did all that. And uh, so I took him to 
Where was that race finished at? No. No. The other one. La Paz. Took him to La Paz. Uh, and we went there. Well, anyway, they operated on him and uh, did a great job. The, the doctors are trained in America. Right. So that's that's November of seven. Before November of eight, uh, we found out that that his leg had uh, four inches of the bone had died, and and you know it had to be fixed. So the, the man in Scribs Hospital there in San Diego supposed to be the best uh, uh, halo doctor in America. Uh, we we talked to him and he said, "Get him out here," and he took. And cut four inches. Listen to this. Cut four inches out of his left leg, the the bone behind the femur, the you know, uh-huh. your shin bone. Yep, I know what you're talking about. And put it on on his right shin bone, and uh, cut that bat out, and threw it away. And I said, <laughs> I said, uh, what about? What about when you cut that out? Don't you need it? And he said, no. I said, then why did the Lord put it there? And and he kind of laughed a little bit. Not not an ugly laugh, but he said, if you cut it, that bone, you know, at least four inches from your ankle up, he said, that's where all the ligaments and tendons and all that stuff connect. He said, you don't need it. So that's what he did. I said, so, so you're... you're your shin bone's coming up from your ankle, and then it gets small where you've got that other bone, maybe the tibia or whatever, and then it gets big again. He said, it will grow to the same size. Wow. And uh, yeah, yeah. And he, uh, he said that 92% or something of everybody that has this gets infections. He said, and if you have a pet, it's 100%. Well, Hoyt had a big, ugly dog that he wouldn't do away with. And what it amounts to is he got infections and it, and it killed him. It took him 20 months to die. But uh, he had five halos below his knee. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it a big deal. Big deal. Wow. I did not know that. I, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Now you know. So you uh, had you had the you have the two children, yeah, two girls, yeah, nice. I had three, two girls right. and a boy. You know, right. I just got two girls left. And, and uh, how many grandkids do you have? None. None, none yet. The, What's up, the, the, Sarah? Come on. The, she's not married. And the other one, they told her not to have children because of her blood pressure. Okay. Wow. That's that's intense. So you have been around, and you've raced in the United States and Mexico. Did you ever get up into Canada and race up there at all? Uh, what I did, I did something really neat in Canada. Uh, and we was in, let me back up to 95, when when uh, first year with Can-Am, and we won the, the Baja 1000. And... Uh, they had a film crew there and, and uh, they can had these uh, shows called uh, 
ultimate playground. And I forgot what the Baja one's called, but I think it's kind of funny. And But then they took a, some of us to Whistler, Canada. And we did, we did, uh, they got lakes up there and, and they're a really weird color, a green. And, and the reason why is it, it's, they're glacier fed. And as the glaciers are going down the mountain, they're scraping minerals and vitamins and stuff out of the mountain. And, right. and they're in that lake, and that's those lakes, uh, they're that color. So you've got a, a mountain peak here and here, and they come down, but the water's here. And a lot of those are over a 1,000 feet deep wow. with water. So, yeah. And they're kind of cold because they're glacier fed, so even in the summertime. So anyway, we did things. Uh, uh, we would get on them lakes and top in. They would have a radar gun and and all of us factory riders are, you know, they're, we're trying to get the top speed. See so who would do that. And uh, they, they had, uh, this was another ultimate playground too. They had uh, GPS on ATV. Okay. I still don't know how to do that. I, I use a flip phone because I don't understand that stuff. Well, I, I got somebody on the back of the forward and I'm here and there's a mountain that I know we have to go to and down and you know, well, you know, because that's where you live, the Rocky mountains, they're real steep down deep and then went up and I didn't know how to get there. What what I had to do was go back miles and turn and come back another road. But so we didn't win that one. We, we had this deal. This is really fun where you take off uh, three people on a Cedar and you go to an island. Well, this island was a like an earth mover inner tube with a tarp on top of it. And, and you would go over here to the land. So, so the three of us got on there. Uh, well, these are several teams. And, and you run to the island and somebody jumps off. Okay. And then you, you go over here to the land and you have to take your life jackets off. And one person has to run up the mountain, capture a flag. You know, there's several flags come down and put your, put our life jackets back on. And then we go and pick up the person at the island and go back to where we started. And uh, I was thinking about that. I said, okay. And, and you got to understand there's big wheels from uh, Can-Am there, real big wheels. And, and so we took off and I, I told them, I, uh, we, we, somebody got dropped off at the, at the island and me and the fella went to the, capture the flag and he's young and stout and and he ran up got the flag and came back down and i said i'm gonna sit stand sit on the back squat on the back you know they got that pole where you put the ski rope and pull a skier and i grabbed onto that and hung my backside off the back so there's the rider and two two seats in other words space for two people and then the, a space, and then the pole, and then me. I said, we're going to go to the island, and our third man, all he has to do is jump on like a dead man on a horse, yep. and we can go. And and we we beat everybody. Man, we smoked them. And we got there, and, and those big wheels are laughing so hard because, you know, our team won. Uh, you got the fat hillbilly. And we won. And then they're going, we can't. We can't do that. We can't let you. What do you mean? 
the lawyers won't let us do that. And I, I'm going, what do you mean? It says, you just can't, we have to do it all over again. So uh, anyway, we just kind of laughing so hard. We got, I reckon, second. But uh, anyways, there's loads of fun. Ultimate Playground. You can get them tapes or watch them. Check that out. I'll have to check that out. YouTube. Sarah said YouTube. I will Uh, definitely look into that. And uh, when I went to Can-Am after being with Kawasaki for eight years, Man, I, I virtually got death threats from 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 people, Kawasaki people, because the, I, you know, abandoned Kawasaki and, and went to them old Can-Ams. But uh, other people would call me and say, now you, because you went to Can-Am, you're forcing me to buy a Can-Am. Or you're forcing me to buy two. And, and one person even said, you know, I've got to buy three Can-Ams now because you, you left Kawasaki. And I didn't <laughs> leave Kawasaki. I didn't. They, they just they stopped you. Yeah. Well, Mike, I could talk to you all night long. I want to ask you if you'll come back on ATV Talk and we can get deeper into your career. Okay. Um, okay. Normally, most of the most of the conversations are an hour long, and we've went went over our hour. Um, oh, I don't know. Well, I, uh, I I'd be glad to all that, and I, I would love to sit and talk with you more if, if you'll agree to come back on the show. Yep. yep. If you promise me, you'll have me. Uh, brother, I have enjoyed this immensely. Uh, I yep. believe in my heart that you're an icon in the ATV industry and indefinitely in the four-wheel drive community. Um, and I want to get down next time when we talk. I want to get into your four-wheel drive racing and talk more about what it takes to do the things that you've done um, so that the listeners that are experimenting with the four-wheel drive will understand really what it takes because your sport quad guys get all of the accolades and i think that you guys do just as much work and just as much development as they do oh yeah 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 uh i know so and and bikes like mine are a lot harder to ride oh yes uh, and uh yeah i'll be glad to just well, with I, really, I really appreciate the time you've spent with me. And I want to thank your daughter, Sarah, for helping set this all up. And yeah. I will reach out to you guys both and get uh, uh, a time so that we can okay. uh, do this again. You, you are an amazing man and have had an amazing life and an amazing career. And um, I don't think enough people know who you are. And we're yeah. hopefully going to, you know, create a whole new fan base for you. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking after your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolutions.org or call for an appointment, 858-571-0160. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. 
We feel winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.